Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. I don't rehearse my messages, so I don't know how long this is. It's not a long message because what I, the one thing I knew that I needed to do today is pray for the sick. We're going to do that at the end of this service, which is, and it's kind of funny because next week I will be preaching or teaching on healing. Uh, I don't know the last time I did a full healing message. I know I refer to it a lot uh, as part of a message or on the oblique, but uh, it will be a, a message dedicated to healing, at least one, maybe a short series, we'll see. And so obviously, Praying for the sick, laying hands on the sick, having a healing service makes a lot of sense after you preach on healing. Today I'm not. Uh, I am preaching on the kingdom and kingdom principles and faith tied in with that so that it, it, it clearly touches on that. But uh, there was uh, no doubt in my mind that this is something uh, that God wanted me to do today. So I believe there is a, uh, a, a spirit of faith and a gift of healing that is going to be in operation today. And I will uh, say more about that as we get toward the end. Meanwhile, uh, today what I want to do is take a, take a look at a very familiar passage of Scripture and offer a perspective on it that I think has uh, been underappreciated. Even though most of us uh, already correctly understand the theological underpinnings of this perspective. In other words, I'm going to say something. I'm going to read a Scripture that you all know. And we all understand the theological truths embedded there, but I think we are seeing something, we are missing something that's kind of important in the way it's worded. You know, we spent the last four Sundays talking about what? The body of Christ. And uh, we, what we looked at especially is the body of Christ as it is experienced in the local church. And last week, we did a message on binding and loosing. I delivered a message on binding and loosing, and we looked at the authority we have as believers, not just in the broad sense, but in the sense that our authority in terms of kingdom living starts with us, extends to our spouses, our households, and then our local church. Um, I don't have time to preach it again. <laughs> I don't even have time to, I'm not inclined to offer a detailed review, but it's worth listening to. There's some important stuff from last week that really will help us be the church, the local church we're called to be. I really want to urge you to, to listen to it. It's, it's online, and uh, if you can't get it online, we can get you a CD. But the upshot is when we commit ourselves to one another, what we are doing is availing ourselves of the power of agreement that exists that the Bible makes clear there is, there is power in agreement. And if you're confused by that, again, check out the message, but it's when I actively, vocally, even publicly commit myself to you and you commit yourself to me and we commit ourselves to one another, we are giving each other the authority to speak into one another's lives. Does that make sense? It'll make more sense if you listen to the whole message. Meanwhile, <laughs> uh, 
what we did in terms of, I talked about the membership, the push we, we made on membership last week, is that I made the case that, that church membership is more than a little certificate or a notation in the directory. It's a concrete form of the kind of commitment that we're talking about here. Not only lays on us the responsibility to pray fervently for one another, but makes our prayers for one another more effective. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we will be looking for, we'll start in verse 7. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 7. Jesus is speaking and he says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to stop there because this isn't a teaching on the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer as I'll be referring to it uh, the rest of this message. I want to start by looking at those two things in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What are we asking for? Jesus tells us to pray for this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is it that we are asking for when we pray this? Are we talking about going to heaven? That, that's a weird way of asking for that. Your kingdom come when what I'm really saying is let me come to your kingdom. Uh, or is it more like uh, Jesus returning to earth? Because we know that's going to happen. In fact, that starts to make sense as we're thinking about it. Uh, as we, were thinking about it. we spent some time last week when we were talking about binding and loosing. And remember, binding and loosing means what? Forbidding and permitting. And, and so we looked at if heaven, if, if what we bind on earth must be what is bound in heaven, what we, what we uh, permit on earth must, must be what is permitted in heaven, what does heaven permit? What do we expect to see in heaven? What do we expect not to see? And we talked about that. There isn't sickness in heaven. There's no poverty. There's no demon possession. All right? We aren't going to need deliverance in heaven because all the things we need deliverance of aren't there. And so we say, when your kingdom come, well, we think, well, when Jesus comes back and rules perfectly in this earth uh, during the millennial reign and then beyond in the new heavens and the new earth, well, then we can expect that kind of thing. But is that what this prayer is talking about? I don't think it is. Uh, because this prayer is a model for daily prayer. He goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. This is a daily prayer. So your kingdom come, your will be done. We're not talking about later. We're talking about now. So what does it mean? Your will be done. That's, that's pretty understandable. But your kingdom come? Uh, and once again, I don't, I want to be very careful with this, even though I know most of you, and so I know you get where I'm coming from. One of the charges that is sometimes thrown at faith churches is that uh, they, they, they make it sound like we're trying to dictate what God is supposed to do. Or that any confession of mine that is meant to change circumstances somehow impugns the sovereignty of God. God is God. He doesn't need me telling him what to do. And uh, if something's happening, it is because it must be his will. When the fact is, it, it, you do not have to be 
a graduate student in theology to look around the world and realize that there are millions of things happening every day that are not God's will. This is the problem with Calvinism, or hyper-Calvinism perhaps, is that we can't logically conclude that it's God's will that we sin. And we look around the world and see how much trouble is being caused because people sin. And if God doesn't ordain sin, he can't be, uh, you can't attribute all the disasters and all the, everything that's wrong in the world around us to God's sovereign will. Does that make sense? But then there's a problem. Is God truly sovereign then? Because if, is his will being thwarted? Nothing's ever beyond his control. He's still the creator and master of the universe as a whole. He's simply not imposing his will on every human being. He'll make everything right. And those who don't get right will be judged. Meanwhile, our judgment has fallen on Jesus Christ, right? We'll, we'll circle back to that. Uh, when, when we, so when we look at this on earth as it is in heaven for today and realize that God's will is clearly not being done, it's not just then a matter of praying until it happens. Once again, it's about understanding that the kingdom of God is not a location. When we're saying, your kingdom come, we're not saying heaven, the place that we're all going to go to, come down to earth. We, we're, what we're trying to understand is that you and I are already part of the kingdom of God. Right? Are we or are we not? We live in and under the kingdom of God. And when I say kingdom, again, not a place. Kingdom might be better understood as kingship or kingness. That helps us understand it. We think kingdom, we think a place, we think a castle and everything else. No, we live under the kingness or kingship of God, his authority. Again, ultimately, yes, he's the rightful ruler of the universe, including the earth, but billions of people are not living under his rule. They have not submitted to him and his kingness, so they are not the rightful recipients of the blessings and benefits thereof. We addressed this last week, too. Man, you miss a week, you miss a lot. Now there is a, this is, the model prayer, is a daily prayer of submission. Submission to and reception of his lordship, if you are a believer. And that is despite what, he is, go what is going on in the world. His will be done in our lives, never mind what's going on outside the church, outside the kingdom of God. We are going to do, and we are committed to do, what he says is right, even if it's contrary to everything else the world is saying. The world says, this is right, do this. If we look at the word of God and say, that's wrong, we're going to say, his will be done in this church, in this house, in this kingdom. And... When the world says we're running out of this, we lack this, we are doomed, we're going to say no, we live in his supply, his protection, his healing, and his promises, regardless of what's happening outside the kingdom. But the kingdom is here and now. When we talk about heaven and the perfect, complete rule of Jesus Christ, we can say, well, that's the a consummation of the kingdom or the manifestation the ultimate manifestation of the kingdom but you and I should be living under his kingship his kingness his rule his lordship now and enjoying the benefits of all that now 
Jesus goes on teaching here, and we'll come to this, in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now verse 33 there is probably the most famous verse in this chapter except for the model prayer itself. And if you're like many people, you probably have read it or perhaps still read it like this. Concern yourself with getting to heaven and meanwhile being righteous or good and all these things will be added to you. We might even say at the end there, don't even bother praying for daily needs because God already knows and he'll take care of you if you're good. Seek first the kingdom of God. Again, we think of kingdom as a place and it's hard not to think of what's my first concern? Going to heaven. That's my first, that's the first thing I seek, getting to heaven. And his righteousness. That's about what's right here. I need to be good. I need to, I need to walk in righteousness. I need to be pure. I need to be holy. Those things are true. But that's not what Jesus, I don't think it's what he can be saying here. It's almost like he's saying those things, but they're flip-flop. The meanings are flip-flop. To seek his kingdom is not about concerning ourselves with getting to heaven. The kingdom we are concerned with is his kingness, his lordship operating in our lives here, now. Pay attention and make sure your life is being guided by kingdom principles. And don't let the kingdoms of this world get you off track. In other words, seeking the kingdom has more to do with your lifestyle and your choices and the way you live than seeking his righteousness does. Seeking his righteousness, though, is liberating once it's properly understood. If we understand it to mean do good, live right, strive to be as pure and righteous as he is, then, of course, we fall into the trap of trying to earn our salvation. In other words, what I believe many, many people have thought about this verse boils down to seeking our own righteousness. Don't worry about food, don't worry about drink, don't worry about clothing, worry about, don't worry. Make it your priority to seek heaven and be good, be righteous. Not what it's saying. Jesus frees us from that. He recognizes, we recognize, clearly righteousness is absolutely vital. The promises of God are for who? They are for the righteous. The kingdom of God operating and ruling our lives 
assumes righteousness. If we're going to be, if we're going to be living and reaping the benefits as citizens of the kingdom, we must be righteous. Upright people. Just people. These are the people who benefit from all the good things the kingdom of God includes. But if the whole history of the Old Testament makes one thing clear, it's that we cannot, by our own efforts, no matter what willpower we have, no matter what our background is, achieve the righteousness that we need on our own. Right? <laughs> this is back when I took way too long preaching through the Old Testament. This was the message that over thousands of years was revealed. I'm going to give you this law. Here's the way you should live. And what we proved, what mankind proved, even God's special covenant people proved is we cannot do it. Why? Because we have this something called the sin nature that is opposed to everything that is righteous, everything that is God, and it will work itself out in our lives every time. What is man's righteousness? The best we can do, the best we can achieve, what is that anyway? What's it compared to? Remember Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. All our righteousnesses. What are they like? Filthy rags. And we know this, right? That's the message of the cross. If we could achieve righteousness on our own, Christ need not have died for us. But look at this. Back in Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly, excuse me, greatly, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. I love that bridegroom and bride thing there because when he talks uh, when in Ephesians where, it's, where it talks about uh, uh, the bride of Christ being without spot or wrinkle, you understand he's not talking about your skin or you. He's talking about the dress that dress is not a wrinkled dress. It's not a stained dress. He clothes us with clean clothing without wrinkles. Here he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. That's Old Testament. Isaiah is writing here, demonstrating his understanding that even under the law, righteousness is a gift from God. And it gets better. It gets more clear in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 30. But of him... You are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And my favorite, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Man, there's nothing in here about striving for righteousness. There is, don't, please don't misunderstand me. We will get into this. Righteous living, pure living, holy living is absolutely part of our program but it's all based on the fact that we are living something out that Christ has already made us a part of. 
not, it's not something that we are generating on our own. We need to be righteous, and you and I, with our best efforts, can only achieve righteousness that's compared to filthy rags. Not dingy rags, filthy rags. But what are we? Because Christ took our sin, that's, that's what made us filthy, because he took that away, became a sin offering for us, what do we become? More righteous? Better? A little bit purer? No, we become the righteousness of God in Christ. Because we are in Christ, that's who we are clothed with. Our, our standing with God is one of complete, 100% justification, redemption, sanctification, and righteousness. Therefore, any promise that is made to the righteous is for us. All that to say, we understand two important things about Matthew 6.33, that we are to seek his rule and his reign in our lives here and now, and we are to recognize that righteousness is crucial in order to inherit his promises. That is, we are looking at the requirements for citizenship. We are looking at the requirements for citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, and we are looking at the rights and benefits of citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. As Americans, we have uh, requirements for citizenship, right? But when you are a citizen, you have certain rights as a citizen that those who aren't citizens don't have. But that also comes with responsibilities. We have responsibilities as citizens of the United States. And we have responsibilities as citizens of the kingdom of God. So, again, it's the seeking, uh, seeking the kingdom of God. That's the part that concerns our behavior. Seeking his righteousness is the part that depends on him entirely, not our efforts. His righteousness, not ours. Okay, moving forward with an application, or toward an application anyway. Notice back in Matthew 6, 8 that Jesus says, the Father knows you have need of these things before you ask. All right? So he says, don't worry. Your requests are not taking God by surprise. But notice, he never says, don't ask. This is super important. Because some people would say, look, as mature believers... We should only be focusing on the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. If we are praying for our daily needs, that's a lack of faith. If we're praying for healing, if we're praying for uh, food, clothing, uh, drink, Jesus said don't ask for those things. He said God will already take care of those things as long as you seek these others. He doesn't say don't ask. He said don't worry because God knows you need them. But when he says he, he says. He knows what you have need of before you even ask. That presupposes that you're going to ask, doesn't it? So ask for these things. But there's a way to ask. There's a right way to ask. We ask knowing the answer. I used to talk an uh, example about this, and I always brought it up with relation to healing. If I'm going to ask God for healing, if I'm going to request, it's not a will you maybe possibly grant me a miracle. You're God, I don't know if it's your will for me or not, but I'm asking for one. Uh, but that's not how it is, is it? It's going to God, asking him for something that he already says belongs to us. And the, the example, it's a real simple one, was always when uh, my very first job, St. Joe IGA, every, I think Thursday was payday. And I'd go in there and ask for my paycheck. It's my money, they're not doing me a favor. 
But I didn't just go into the office and grab my check. I had to ask the boss for it. And he took great pleasure in handing me that check. He's a good boss. But I think a better example is, uh, I think we got paid three times when I was at basic training. And when you reported for pay, there was a very specific procedure. You know, we'd stand out there in the hallway, and one at a time, you know, there would be the, the, the payroll officer, the payroll NCO, and, and, and some corporal there taking notes. He's got the box of checks. Now, this money, this vast sum of money that I earned as a private E1 at basic training was mine. It literally had my name on it. But if I requested it wrong, I didn't get it. I had to get back in line and request it again. But you, uh, and it just, you'd march in. There's a certain number of steps you take, you know. He's sitting at a desk facing this way, so go in there, do your facing movement, go up there, and then you'd stand, and even though you're un indoors, don't have your hat on, but you still saluted. Sir, Private Millis, Scott A., Social Security number, reporting for pay, sir. And then go to parade rest. Comes up, hands you your paycheck, take it, thank you, sir, facing movement, walk out. If you didn't go to parade rest, if you didn't say sir, if you didn't say the, your name, did, uh, or you said your social security number face, get out of here. Start all over, private, back at the line. Had nothing to do with whether or not that money was mine. It already was. But I had to ask for it the right way. Now, I'm not saying God is picky. But he does say, when you ask, don't worry. And that's not just a relax. That's a command that affects how quickly you're going to see the answer to your prayer. Do you believe that? Do you want to see, you want to see something else in the Bible that backs that up? You've seen it before. Some of you probably already know where I'm going. You know, we talked, uh, before I get to what I was going to say just now, we talked about James chapter 5. This was kind of woven in to our uh, early messages during the fast. Uh, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? And we, so we spent a, a Sunday talking about fervency. Uh, how, can we love one another? Can we be committed to one another enough to pray? When you've got a need, can I pray as fervently for you as I pray for me when I have the same need? Right? There's power there. Those three things. The effective, fervent prayer, right, of a righteous man. Now, we covered righteousness, Right? And we talked about fervency. So let's talk just a little bit about effective or effectual. Because that's the prayer of faith. I can pray fervently, knowing that I'm righteous, but there's a prayer that's effective and there's a prayer that's ineffective. Prayer of faith is effective. James, once again, chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But... Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, James is talking, starts off talking about specifically about wisdom, but then applies this broader general principle about asking in faith. 
If you know God's will concerning a matter, you can and must pray with the confidence that you will receive it. If it's a maybe, if you kind of want it for me, I sure wouldn't mind. I'd sure feel blessed, God, if you gave me wisdom, if you gave me healing, if you gave me a, a, a new car that I desperately need, if you did this. No? Is it a need? And has God promised to supply all your need according to his riches and glory? Then yes, you go confidently. And again, we don't shake, confidence is shaking our fist. I knew, when I, when I knew that, that uh, Cliff Evans had my, my paycheck sitting in a box in the office, I didn't go there. Hey, old man, give me my check, it's mine. I knew it was mine, but there was a right way to ask and a wrong way to ask. Being bold and being confident doesn't mean being a jerk. Not in the face of God, what would you be thinking? But you go excitedly. It's like if, you're, if, you, when you, when you're, if you, when your grandma would say, when you come over to my house, you come give me a big old kiss and I'll give you a cookie. So you go up there, you give her a big old kiss and say, can I have my cookie? You think, she, is grandma ever going to say no? You come confidently, boldly, in knowing that I just love giving these things to you and I've already supplied them. This is where we're going to be talking a little more about next week, about how it's done, how all this stuff is, is in an account with your name on it, and it's simply a matter of availing yourself of the things that God has already provided, appropriating these things, right? But that's next week. You go with the confidence, knowing what the answer is, but the answer has to be based on what you see in God's revealed will, his word. There are so many directions I want to go. And next week, again, I'm going to preach a message on healing. Today, I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to lay hands on the sick. And I want you to remember that Jesus, when he sent the disciples out, not the 12 apostles, but when he sent all the disciples out, he told them to heal the sick. He did not say pray for the sick. He didn't say, go out there and ask God to heal the sick. He said, he said, you go heal the sick. And that's what Jesus did. And James, again James, writes that what? The prayer of faith will save the sick. Are these two things in contradiction? No. It just opens up a wide range of possibilities. And, again, teaser for next week, I think it makes us ask some questions about what the prayer of faith sounds like and looks like. When I pray for the sick, if a prayer of faith will save the sick, what does that prayer sound like? Because we already know it doesn't sound like begging, right? And Jesus tells us to heal the sick. Does he say not to pray for the sick? No. He says when you're out there, what you're doing, when you're doing it right, the sick will be healed. Talk about it next week, but we're already going to do it this week. Uh, so what I'm going to be doing today, just here in a minute, and praise and worship team, you can be coming up here. I'm operating on this principle where I'm basically combining Jesus' command and James' proclamation. Beth, can you stay down and pray for the sick with me? Jesus' command to heal the sick and James' proclamation that the prayer of faith will save the sick, that when I pray for you, when I lay my hands on you, you will be healed. It starts with you knowing it's God's will for you. If you don't know that, I will still pray for you. But I'm begging you to come back next week. If you are not, I know most of you are already convinced of that. If you're not really convinced 
that it's God's heart to heal you, that he has already provided healing for you. Please be here next week. It might make more sense again to do this next week, and we probably will. We'll pray for the sick next week too. But I know I was commanded to do it today, so we're going to. Um, before we get you, stand up with me. Kept talking about kingdom principles, kingdom responsibilities, and kingdom privileges. There are things that the believer is entitled to because they are in the kingdom of God. That word entitled kind of has a stain these days. You know, these, uh, these entitled kids, these entitled snowflakes, whatever. Uh, think you're just, you think the world owes you this. But there's such a thing as legitimate entitlement. God is the one who grants us, grants us that title, that title deed to everything that's included in the salvation package. And he says, you know, oh, bless the Lord my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who fills your mouth with good things. These are the benefits of being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So again, I can pray. Jesus said, go out and pray, you know, heal the sick. He didn't say, you know, just those who were, uh, he didn't say in this command, just heal those who are uh, believing everything you're preaching or whatever. And I know many people have, have come to Christ because while they were yet unsaved, somebody prayed for them and they received healing. God can do what he wants. But healing belongs to you and me if we are in the kingdom of God. Healing and a thousand blessings beside. Isn't heaven enough? If that's all God promised, yeah, heaven's enough. But it's not all God promised. Forget none of his benefits. And healing is one we're focusing on right now. So, first things first. Put yourself in a position where healing is not just something you are desiring, but something you are entitled to. In other words, if you have not yet confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, if you are not already a citizen of the kingdom, now is your moment. I'm going to pray real quick here. And if you desire to be a Christian, to be born again, to be saved, to become a citizen of the kingdom, you are one prayer away from being there. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment. And thank you for what you're about to do in our midst. But it's my prayer, and it's the prayer of every believer in this room, that if there is anybody in this room who does not already know you as Father, who does not already claim you as king, that they would come to that confession of faith today. Move on them, Lord. Shine a light into their lives so they recognize their need and grant them the humility, the wisdom, and the boldness to seize this opportunity and receive what you have for them. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.